Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello everyone and welcome again to Talking Tourism. My name is Rachel Williams and very excited to be your host for today's session. Um, Of course, every fortnight the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania brings you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. TICT is the peak body for tourism operators in this beautiful state of Tasmania and each episode of Talking Tourism deals with specific tourism-related topics with tips and advice for improving your tourism business. And I am sure and I hope that you have your pens and paper at the ready because we're going to get a lot of tips and information from this wonderful guest that we have with us today. And I'm speaking, of course, of Rick Martin, who is a very well-known brand strategist at brand agency Effective Naturally. And he was the man who outdid anyone who's ever organised an Australian Tourism Awards. This year, he was the director of the Qantas Australian Tourism Awards at Launceston's Cataract Gorge. Rick Martin, I've made you blush already and I've only been in the room with you for two minutes. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. And and partly because um, as lovely as it is always when um, the Tourism Awards are mentioned, uh, it, it couldn't have been done without so many people and so much support. And that's what we're going to talk about today, collaboration, yeah. which is a very important uh, topic that I think most people can get a lot of. But do you think that the Tourism Awards will define your career from here on in though? Um, well, interestingly enough, I mean, that was my past career was um, being a, as an event manager. So I did really come out of retirement from doing that to do this event. And in the lead up, um, you know, a lot of people said, gee, is it going to be okay? Are you going to be able to pull this together? And uh, I said, I didn't end a uh, a massive, you know, lengthy uh, career to come back out of retirement and do something that's dodgy. So, well, it certainly uh, was, was anything but dodgy. <laughs> it, it received rave uh, reviews from right around the country, that's for sure. Give me a little bit of a background there, because I know you've been involved, even though you don't look this old, you've been involved in business for over 25 years and your yeah. first career was involved in the event industry. What made you decide to get involved in that, was there a catalyst for saying, I <laughs> know, events, what a great career. Yeah, there was actually. Um, so there's a few little facts that uh, I've kept hidden pretty well, but um, <laughs> why don't we just let it all out, yep, hey? let it all okay. out. Yep. All right. So when I was um, 14, I started a... Um, I started teaching line dancing. I do remember yeah, this. You know story. about that, don't I you? I do, yes. Yeah, so. Um, a boot scooting, baby. Yeah, now I couldn't really dance, but I sort of figured that if I just stayed one week ahead of everyone else in the class, then I would always know more than they did. And um, and eventually I was able to sort of bring it together and um, and a whole range of different things happened over a period of time. But um, that was sort of took around the first 10 years of my life, so up to when I was around 25. But what had happened was that within a few years, um, you know, we'd picked up some agreements even before I was 18 with Country Club, for example. So federal hotels um, started to have those classes. And then through that, we started to become exposed to the opportunity to have um, line dancing as an event at corporate events. Um, And then those companies that we worked with loved the way we did it so well that they wanted to come back to Tasmania again the next year. They wanted to work with me. There wasn't many event managers at the time. So because they trusted me, they wanted to um, do it again, 
but we didn't really want to do the same thing again. So that's where I had to start to think outside of the square. And so before um, I was 20, we had started um, the event side of the company. Um, and then that has really probably taken over the next 15 years. And once that became big enough, then we ended up retiring all of the dance classes across the state back to locals to be able to manage all Line those. Line dancing and is the poorer for that retirement. Oh, look, you. I tell you what, it was a fun time of my life. And, um, and I, look, I think my shoulders got a lot broader during that point, <laughs> but I had a lot of time. I never regret it. Um, but I did probably keep it fairly quiet early in the piece so that I didn't get um, stereotyped. Yes, um, that, and uh, and now I can look back on it and speak really fondly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we did a lot of events across um, across the years, and uh, and they were from in Tasmania and across the country. Had a great time, um, but uh, then we started to develop the brand agency. In fact, that stemmed out of events as well because um, even when you look at digital media now, it really is just an online equivalent of understanding how to move people in different ways. And so now people come to you when they want their brand developed and enhanced. Is that right? You're working with some amazing people? Yeah. I mean, we love um, – we generally don't talk about the people that we do work with um, but because we just see ourselves as part of the team. Um, often um, brand or marketing agencies can often be seen as maybe, you know, just polishing up something that's not all that fancy. We think our clients actually are fancy, that they, that they really do care about um, – ethics, the world, their customers, and um, and as such, we think they're great brands. We just take the gold and help them communicate it um, more. Um, and we partner with them over a long period of time. So um, that, I guess, makes us a little bit more different, but we also see ourselves just as part of the team. Yes. So therefore, we don't go out and say, we did that for them to make them that good. Yes. Because we actually do think they are that good. We're just Enhancing We it. just played our part yes. again in the yep. collaborative role. <laughs> Which is probably something, as you say, like dancing, you're in a team, you, you know, you've been on stage before as well. I know that Launceston has seen you on a number of stage um, yeah. performances. Like that doesn't happen because of one person, does it? It's a whole teamwork approach that everyone plays their part. And everyone's going through their own challenges as well. So, you know, the first time, so musical theatre was my first real step in this year as well, um, yeah. shortly after those awards. And uh, and I learned so much in that process, um, even though you'd think I, I'd done so many other events and, and to be able to look at it. But it was also no, not just about putting together the logical elements and skill sets of what everyone has, but just to understand that just because someone's out the front and looks really confident, they look like they nail it every night, night after night, night after night, that they don't get nervous themselves or that they don't have their own challenges that they are trying to work through as well. So sometimes I look at it and go, wow, if I I could be as cool as those <laughs> people and just nail it like they do, but then backstage you get to see that they're going through their own thing too. And, um, and that's where I think really being able to respect people's differences um, is actually key and a foundation of being able to build something great based on collaboration. Because if you don't respect the differences, you can't see the beauty in the individual of every person. Mm. Um, but, you know, collaboration was, was certainly key to the Tourism Awards and really is key to our whole tourism industry. So the, the, a lovely proverb I like to uh, think of it when you speak of collaboration is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think, you know, the teamwork analogy that you've, you've just mentioned is, is pretty imperative for collaboration. What makes you a good collaborator? Uh, I think 
it's the fact that I understand and respect that I can't do everything myself. Um, you just don't have the skill set all in one person. And even if you look at marketing these days, um, you know, you used to be able to have one marketer that could do everything, but now it's much more like a house. Like you wouldn't have your plumber be your electrician and um, your engineer be your actual builder. You know, it's a it's a group collaboration to bring that together. And now everything's so specialised in marketing, it's very much the same thing as well. So I think I've got a really early appreciation of the fact that everyone has a different journey to get to the skill sets where they are. And if you can help to uncover what each of those skill sets are, but then provide the environment for them to do work that they care about and are proud of, then they will do the best with taking their best skill and making the biggest impact. Um, So the most important part in that though is then vision. Because as you just said, you know, you can go fast if you go alone. That's because you know where you're going. Yes. Um, well, most hopefully. hopefully. In the roughly right direction. <laughs> That's right. Um, but where sometimes things, um, if you want to go far, um, I think one of the issues in er- all areas of business as well is if you want to go far, yes, you go together, but the problem is it can really hold you back if you're going together and you don't have a leader with the vision. So this is where I guess vision then comes into collaboration and plays a really important part of that. Um, because we didn't build the Tourism Award plan necessarily through a whole lot of workshopping to come together. We just knew what the local brand was about, what the attributes were. Um, We had offered it for people to be able to put their thoughts in of what represented that journey and represented our brand, and then we just built it, and then we just sold it and told everyone how they can then be part of it. and uh, I think that was important because with an event, you can't just say, well, the journey will take as long as the journey takes. There's an event date. There's a deadline. <laughs> it has to happen yeah. at that time. Um, and, you know, you've got to build the whole thing. So everyone has to be able to know that they can confidently do what they need to do in the framework that they've been given. Um, and so sometimes I think we can be get caught up in almost trying to be collaborative in a way that actually holds us back. Yeah, you mentioned the the workshop and meeting. Some people have that perception that, oh, it's just going to be a talk fest, we're all going to get in a room and we're not actually going to achieve anything. But that's it's actually the opposite of that, isn't it? Yeah, like actually getting into the room, work out who the, the key stakeholders are and then um, – but also you've got a very clear reference point. I mean, we knew what the brand of our region was all about. So when we start to look at being boutique and eclectic, um, and and quietly proud was um, you know one of the other elements um, and playful. So you know we tried to capture those four things and make sure that there were certainly elements of that. So little things like having um, the city park train um, at the end of the night to help people get up the the hill if they oh, I didn't couldn't see that. get up. I could have uh, done with that. Well, you obviously <laughs> weren't um, in a condition where you needed it. I didn't it. need the train. Um, no, <laughs> but it was so cute. There, so there were many elements of the event that not everyone saw. Um, because uh, they each had different experiences. But to the people that saw them, that will be a, a long-lasting memory. That's exactly right. And then the Toko drummers in the um, in the lawn, you know, so I sort of had uh, and dotted around. So I had a vision around what I wanted to create with it, but then I just met with Jan up there at the gorge and said, could we do this? This is the time constraint. 
I don't want people to be able to see you before you get there and those sorts of things. And, um, you know, we worked it out. And he said, if I could be able to get some people to help us do that, then I'll be able to, sure, we can do it. Um, Is that, you've just mentioned the word help. Is that something that people struggle to ask for at times? Do you find, like, do you find the um, age-old cliche of, you know, if you want something done properly, do it yourself, that still lingers and that holds people back? I think so. Um, and, And also people don't want to bother other people. But if you believe in the vision of what you've got and you know it's going to be the opportunity to be amazing or it to be, as I was saying, this event was our opportunity to be extraordinary. And um, that didn't mean that we had to be the same as every other city. What it meant was that we had to work out what made us extraordinary. And through working on the brand development over the years, I had a fairly good understanding of, um, of what was there. And I think as well through relationships, people were keen to say, we reckon he can probably pull this off and we want to be part of it. Um, so it is around having that level of focus and, and vision, um, but also understanding exactly something that's already got, got a common thread across everyone that people can feel familiar with. And then they will say, yep, okay, we want to be part of that. But then also they would come back to me and say, I need a hand for that. Yes, I can do that. But do you think that other supplier that's also said that they could do that would be able to do this for us? Yeah. Mm. And is that um, important, like competition, everyone is in competition with one another. Let's, that's a fact of yeah. life. But we can all be better as individuals if we do work together as well. Yeah. So I prefer to use the word coopetition. Right, you've then, just made up a word, Rick. No, nah, I didn't oh, make it up. is it a word? It's someone else's. Oh, it's someone else's. Yeah, <laughs> it's someone is else's. Is it in the dictionary? I'll give someone else credit for it. I can't remember whose it is, but it's a good word, I think. It is because a great word. particularly in Tasmania, um, where we all have to work together a lot, um, and this is probably something I haven't touched on yet and I'll, I'll come back to, but um, we are, when you're boutique and when you um, have an eclectic collection of experiences as we do across Tasmania, Um, They're usually not, unless it's something like Cradle Mountain, (laughs) which is, you know, such a catalyst for people wanting to come because they see that um, and everything else then um, bolts onto it. Um, it, it, If you've lots of small things, you have to work together to be something that takes you off just being part of a bucket list and actually moves you right at the top and gets people to take action. So um, I believe and already did believe before I knew that we were entering into a really risky challenge to do this event <laughs> that we do work well together. I already knew we, we we could because the tourism industry in Tasmania does work really well. But I think we have to be careful that we also then don't start to become the same as each other. So we want to work together but through coopetition is when you recognise that someone else um, either can do it better with you uh, uh, better than you, do part of it better than you, mm-hmm. and you can do your other part. And if you can be left to do your part um, yeah. without having to worry about the other, then you can be extraordinary at that, yeah. and they can be extraordinary at theirs. Yeah. Um, but also, um, one of the challenges, and this is something I learned very early in my event days, is that you know we had fairly large clients. So, for example, they'd say, "Oh, we need f- you know it's for five hundred people in a venue. Well, it's not even a, an event venue, so therefore you need to hire that." Um, 10, 15 years ago, there, it was hard to get 500 matching chairs to hire in Tasmania. <laughs> so, you know, you had to get really creative. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to create different spaces so that I can get the different chairs and they don't look like they've been 
mix and matched, you know. So that's all the rage now, though. Well, it is now. I know. <laughs> ahead of my time. Um, you were ahead of but um, but that's one of the things is I think we become more creative and we become more clever as a state because we are constrained sometimes, and that means that we get really good at working well together. Um, uh, but we also shouldn't get so protective. You know, we should focus on what we do extraordinarily and allow other people of what they do and then work out how we can bounce off each other within the industry. Um, because if you can have a whole range of things that are extraordinary that come together, then it becomes talkworthy. And, you know, that spreads like wildfire, that amplifies the message and gives more people the chance to say, well, I'm not just coming over for that one vineyard by itself. But when that vineyard attaches to that one and that experience over there, even thinking outside of your industry, um, all of a sudden it becomes a place that I want to visit. Um, and that's where I think coopetition, if we think and shift our minds a bit differently, can make a difference. And Tasmania, I'm assuming, um, has benefits in that it is so small. We are all close to one another in um, proximity and, and logistics and most of us know one another by some, yeah. you know, degree of separation, um, is that we should be using that a little bit more to our advantage that we can, co- what's the word, cooperate? No, cooperate. <laughs> co- co- co-compete. I've forgotten your word. It's co-opetition. Co-opetition. So, co-opetate. <laughs> now I'm probably together. making up a word, That's definitely. A definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm making up a word. Um, yes. Uh, there, cha- there are challenges around that and, and there, some, there can be legal challenges around that as well. So you do have to make sure that when you do um, work together on things that you have also not broken any rules or governance boundaries on different things as well. But I mean, staying aside from that sort of thing, it's really around transparency. Um, and, uh, and, um, And if you can do that, um, and have these relationships that are out there and be proud of those relationships, then there's nothing holding you back from um, being able to share um, to share all of that. So definitely I do think it's – I can't actually – We can use remember. it to our advantage. In terms of the location of Tasmania, we're all so close. We all do know one another. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> You've forgotten. That's, yes, I did. I did forget. And actually that's true is because um, the benefit of knowing people or knowing someone that knows someone is really important – because, for example, those awards um, were delivered on so many favours. You know, two-thirds of that event budget was essentially favours. Yeah. That one partner that was part of it wanted to be part of it, wanted to, you know, we could have delivered something within our budget that was good, but that's we had a once-in-a-lifetime chance to be extraordinary. And once everyone knew that we wanted, we were aiming for extraordinary and they knew and I could share with them what that vision looked like, then people were like, yep, we're going to do our thing. Like when I went to, you know, a carpet store, went down to Choices and said, um, so I'm going to need some carpet. You need to lay it within a day um, and up in about eight hours um, and I've only got this amount of budget and um, it's essentially 20 house lots of carpet <laughs> that I'm going to need. Um, and they're like, wow. Here comes that high-demanding Rick Martin again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and they jumped on board. And interestingly, though, is that um, that was where another partner, so, so Wedding Hire had said, um, we actually think in that marquee large areas of carpet rather than carpet tile would look better um, and just give a, a, 
a more consistent look across such a large marquee. So, um, so you know, they said, well, we will contribute to the difference in cost between what it would have been to do one to the other. Yeah, right. You know, so it, when everyone becomes so focused on the prize and everyone knows that their work is appreciated, then everyone just goes over and above. And um, and this is big scale. This is for eight hundred people. But you can um, eight hundred forty actually. Eight hundred forty. You, know. so <laughs> you can break that down to a three to four person tourism business operating in Stanley or Strawn, for example, and say, well, these are the principles of how we did a huge event. But this is how you can do it on a day to day basis. Could you give us some advice as to how people could go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things is trying to identify who your target audience is and working out what impression you want to leave on them. And so this is where marketing and events are exactly the same thing. One of the things with events that was really early in the piece, and this is how our marketing um, company actually ended up growing and planting the seed, was that often with events, they could be expensive. So um, accountants within the organisation will be like, why are we paying that much for that event? So I was always aware and I'm still aware that there has to be a financial benefit to um, an event that you do. So therefore there has to be really clear, tangible outcomes. So we have to be able to say, well, now all those people went to that event, but they've now left either understanding our brand better, um, having really clear understanding how they can um, – maybe perch, make a purchase of the product or whatever it is. Um, so I think that if you understand who your audience is and understand what you can do differently than anyone else um, and then start to build a network of other experiences around you that you can cross-promote, um, that's a good start. And then also online if you are a part of an association or there is an association that belongs to your particular um, uh, uh, niche within tourism, because, you know, tourism is not just about laying beside a pool. You know, there are so many things, like even if it's um, llamas, for example, if there is a llama association, then make sure that you've linked to that association to be able to ensure that anyone that does have an appreciation of llamas know that they've got to stop by there when they come to Tasmania. It at least builds that familiarity and starts to create an amplification of um, people knowing about you um, and also you know, peer review and peer recommendation is so strong that that's the best form of collaboration we can start to do. And also look at how we can enhance each other's experiences, even by doing a little bit of contra work with each other to say, well, we'll give you that product of ours. If you give us that product of yours, um, our short-term accommodation um, has bread and butter, bread and butter in it. They're on the same block as us. It makes sense. We can just go and get it. It's really easy. Um, and then our guests know if they want more sweet things, they've only got, you know, hundred metres to go to be able to go and, and yeah. grab something like that as well. And so you, you are an Airbnb operator as you've just uh, given yourself a free plug for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you have been in the tourism industry, you know, in some way, shape or form for a long time. Yeah. How can the individual operators within the industry actually learn to be a collaborator, sorry, learn to be collaborative in their individual organisations with their staff, for example? Because I'm assuming that's where it begins that you learn to be collaborative and you um, pass on that sense of collaboration to your team members within your organisation and then it just blossoms 
outwardly from there. Is that too yeah. simplistic a, a No, thought? it's not. In fact, I think simple's uh, – I think that's what we need to do more of is just make it simple. You need simple, you've got the right girl. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, then, then that's perfect for exactly, and I'll know just the right time. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, keep it simple. You know, it is a pretty good theory to live by. It, it sure is. And um, one of the things that we do is we have a little program that we run with each um, team member, but also with our clients. Um, it was called around the Strength Finder, and it's an understanding that each pe- each person has thirty four different core strengths. And once you start to look at them, you can really realise how that impacts the way they do what they do. So in my marketing team, I've got people that are much more um, analytical um, and strategic than they are around nurturing or relationship building. But then I've got the opposite as well, because we need all of that. So I try to create an environment where everyone can do their their best work. I think one of the most important things we need to do is that managers can often fall into a cycle of trying to performance manage people and never actually look at what they can do extraordinarily. You know, so they start to focus and say, well, oh, look, we can do, um, you know, you're not doing this or you're not doing that or you're not doing this. Maybe have a look at that person and work out whether or not you've got the right mix of skill sets for a start or whether or not you're providing the right um, training or the uh, right vision for what it is that you want them to be part of. Because where there's a lack of vision, people start to deviate from things and they'll be, they'll be wasting energy. Um, and, you know, I hate seeing opportunities <laughs> wasted. Mm. Um, and you've got to be really efficient and lean. So the best way to do that, be really clear about what you stand for, be clear about the vision of where you're wanting to go, um, the impression that you want people to have as they're leaving your experience um, and come down to a question for each um, business, you know, for your own business. And that might be, um, you know, what's the one thing that I want people to feel when they're leaving here? And if everyone knows the answer to that and every staff member knows that, then everyone's got a shared vision. Um, and I think out of shared vision and understanding then the skill sets that you have in it will form a really good basis of that collaboration. Would it be fair to say that your vision for our state and our country is um, like we're talking about collaboration, but with that, you know, our elements of if you collaborate, you're obviously a, a kinder, more generous person. Um, is that something that <laughs> I would think that is a benefit that perhaps people wouldn't necessarily think of when they say let's go and collaborate, but you're actually becoming better versions of yourself? Oh, absolutely, because you learn what you are really good at. You learn for yourself and you start to do more of those things and say, well, actually, I don't know why I was spending so much time doing this, that, that and that when that's actually not my strength at all. Um, and as a collaborator in um, doing a bit of co-opetition, I nearly forgot the word there for a minute, um, you actually start to to work out, well, I am really, this is my skill. This is my gift. And, um, and I see my gift as being the glue often if I have to put that mm. in the way, in that I've got the vision to um, and then convey that and then give everyone the right environment to do their, their best work so that it all comes together. And I think one of your skills as well is very obvious when you look at social media. Anyone who follows you on social media would say, gosh, this you're not ever afraid to put your views in the public domain but it's always done so um, diplomatically and with heart and, and fact at its core, is yeah. that something that you've learned to do over the journey or has that just been an innate thing for you? Oh, it's actually um, 
Remember uh, Michael Bailey from TCCI, he was a uh, um, I was on the board of the chamber in Launceston at the time and he was the EO. And and I can remember during very early in the marriage equality debate, he um, asked me, he asked a question of someone else and said, do you think this helps or hinders what it is that you're trying to do? And now that's a real question that I always ask myself. And isn't it interesting when someone says something, you can remember the moment where you're standing when they said it. And, um, and I ask that question now to myself a lot, but now I also ask it of other people and say, well, if you're trying to do that and if you are campaigning or wanting to speak up on behalf of others to be able to um, share a thought or to be able to um, respectfully educate people, um, does it help or hinder the relationship by taking action that you're taking? So I'm really clear that it usually hinders the opportunity to persuade people or to educate people if you burn a bridge. It just, um, it's just really not very helpful. Um, but at the same time, there's always other people that will never shift their mind. No. And, uh, and you also have to just understand that. And also I think importantly is you, it's no good necessarily wasting all your energy in that space, but also I see being negative towards people as a waste of energy too, Mm. because you're only robbing yourself of time that you could have spent working with people that are open to different thought. And I think that marriage equality debate, debate was something that propelled you into the spotlight when you necessarily weren't seeking <laughs> that uh, title as a spokesperson for it. But True. would it be fair to say that, um, and again linking back to collaboration, is that um, your aim is if everyone did work together and look at their strengths as we've spoken about within, you know, their different businesses, that um, we are a better community Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And you respect each other for your differences because you're respecting each other for your strengths. And I think that's, that's really important, but you, um, I think one of the challenges, and this is where the world's getting a little bit (laughs) topsy-turvy, is that sometimes disrespecting other people's differences and then calling that out is then seen as disrespecting the difference to disrespect other people's differences. I know that sounded really confusing, um, but if it all comes back to, um, and, and that's the challenge, is how do you try and encourage people that do disrespect difference to not do that mm. in such a way that doesn't get their back up um, to, because otherwise it will it help or hinder? It'll yes. usually hinder. Yeah. And, and, you know, you bring that back to what we're talking about is that you can have two totally opposing businesses within the tourism industry that don't necessarily see eye to eye on certain things, but if they actually work together, they can improve both of their businesses and the outcome for their region and the state. Absolutely. So uh, one example of that is that we have, um, I was able to look at the target audience of one of our clients in tourism and work out that they had a very similar target audience to one of our clients in retail. So we did a cross promotion between the two. Um, And that allowed us to help gather data um, between both of the businesses um, in, of course, in all the right ways and manage that data correctly. Um, But it built familiarity between a cohort and an audience that we knew was consistent between the two. We knew that if they liked shopping there, they would like staying here, you know, and that's where, so they're completely different industries, but people don't spend their whole life in one industry 
like, you know, just interacting with one industry. They actually, you know, we're interacting with different things all the time, every part of our day. So if you can introduce different brands to different people through other things that they love, then um, it's not just about collaboration inside of tourism. Um, it could be collaboration with um, a local factory that um, creates something unique. And if they create something unique, you could then um, do day tours there and you could sell it as an Airbnb experience. Um, you could sell it as just an add-on for anyone else that books through one of the other online travel agents or hopefully is booking direct. You, your brain is always working, isn't it? Do you ever rest? Like you've always <laughs> got these great ideas and initiatives and you're busy and you're active and what do you do to have downtime apart from being on the theatre uh, stage? Yeah, so theatre took up most of my downtime <laughs> this year, which I absolutely loved. It was one of my... Um, it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life, really. And uh, um, working with people that are so passionate about what they do and want to definitely, you know, just will give everything. They will sacrifice so many other things in their life to be able to give that performance. And um, we are talking about Strictly Boring for those who didn't have the yeah. luxury of seeing Rick up on stage <laughs> dressed in uh, tight pants and. Um, Spanish shoes. <laughs> well, luckily the, the pants getting less tight as the show, as the season went on, which was a great thing. But um, I I absolutely loved that. And, you know, um, the uh, director has a, a really tough role of being able to get the best out of every person, given that same thing. It's, it is absolutely all collaboration. And I think what I loved about it was it gave me an opportunity to not be the glue so that I could be sitting in the background trying a putting forward a new talent that I wasn't confident that I had, so I had to work really hard, but they provided me an environment to be able to do it. So I know what it's like on the other side and I know that I went through a whole range of challenges in my own mind, um, anxiety attacks before I went on stage, the amount of things that I went through to try and do that performance well because most of that part of that performance was foreign to me, including the character, um, and... Um, and definitely, you know, that's the beauty of having people that are good at being able to bring collaborators together is that I had the chance to do my best work to be something that I was proud of despite the fact I never thought I could do it. Um, so from the other side, I really appreciate it as well. It's all about opportunity and saying yes when perhaps you're inclined to say no. <laughs> well, and did say no and uh, then and changed my mind to yes. Yeah. And, uh, so what's uh, what's next for Rick and Effective Naturally and um, your take on tourism in Tasmania moving forward over the next little journey? Anything exciting on the horizon that you can see happening or that you'd like to see happening? Oh, we've got an announcement in the next couple of days of a, um, a tourism uh, product that is uh, – has been in Tasmania before um, as a bit of a trial and it is coming back and its home will be in Tasmania, which is really fantastic because I know that uh, can get the eyes of the world looking toward us. Um, it is a bit boutique um, and uh, not for massive large numbers, but I'm very excited about that um, as an opportunity. Um, I'll be uh, definitely still working with our clients that we uh, already partner with and, um, and I think for tourism in general, maybe the most important thing for us is to not become complacent um, and to not try and be other tourism products. Um, very clearly, our tourism awards was us. Um, the fact was that um, it, the creativity of that event was born out of problems. Every single problem that we hit, 
created a new way of doing something. So the very fact that it was in a marquee um, could have been in a marquee anywhere. Um, But because it was in a marquee, because we didn't have another venue that could hold the required amount of people for the awards, I thought, well, wait a minute, if we're in a marquee, then why can't we put it in the most priceless destination we have in our city? Um, And then, of course, I realised I was somewhat nuts after we thought (laughs) of the idea, uh, went through it and realised we actually still could do it. But I can tell you, a few days before it, I was looking at it from an eagle-eye view of it thinking this had better work, but I'm... <laughs> it's aged you prematurely, hasn't it? I'm a little bit nervous, it? yes. <laughs> a few um, extra grey hairs. Yeah, that's right. But uh, definitely I think um, if we can learn anything out of that, it is that to, to be able to encourage people to collaborate more but also not sell our soul as a state... Um, yes, it was 840 people, but I had to try and make sure that it still felt personal. Um, and that was the same talk that I gave to the front of house staff as well. And to say that, you know, this, um, most restaurants will open with, um, a soft opening and they'll have 60 seats. Um, we're going to open with no soft opening, um, without a full commercial kitchen with 840 guests that have to be served their main meals in 21 minutes. Like we've got, not much flexibility and something could go wrong. And when it does go wrong, please just turn on the Tasmanian charm, you know, um, because that, that will win and that will show us that we, it will show them that we are more than just the product that we have. Classic case that there's no I in team that awards <laughs> no. Now, Rick, I know that you have your finger on the pulse because you work with so many different businesses. Give us a little bit of an insight of what you think might be happening uh, in the tourism industry moving forward. Is there anything exciting that we can look forward to that is going to be happening soon? I've slightly been bubbling over with uh, excitement on this particular one. It's actually something that has been in Tasmania now five years ago. People may not realise how long it's been, but uh, it was dinner in the sky, which was uh, when we'd take 22 people up in the sky over the Hobart waterfront. Yes, I remember uh, seeing It was a beautiful scene of collaboration, I must say. Um, different chefs working on there. Taz Tafe had some of their staff on the thing and uh, on the table and they were learning against um, with the support of other front of house staff. And But being able to tell Tasmanian stories on it, dinner in the sky is coming back really? to Tasmania. As a permanent... Thing. Yes, and now not just, um, but it Tasmanian owners, um, Jack and Trin Pfeiffer, who absolutely, and we talk about other um, industries, um, they own engineering company and uh, and the Pfeiffer family, of course, Jack's parents own uh, Pfeiffer Cranes. So, you know, being able to lift um, sensitive um, loads, <laughs> uh, <laughs> including humans, um, you know, is sort of runs in their blood, but um, the... The thing about this is it gives people an opportunity to block out the whole world around them. They're sitting at this table, you know, 50 metres in the air and getting a whole different perspective on the surrounding. If you're good with heights. (laughs) Uh, If you're good with heights. And I believe uh, I can remember uh, Joe and Andrew Palmer were uh, on that. I think Andrew was white as a ghost for a week after. He eventually (laughs) let go of uh, the table at one point. And you're you're well strapped in. Um, But to his credit, he did it. I think he enjoyed it. Um, But uh, I'm really excited to see this come back. I hope that it becomes in Australia synonymous with Tasmania. Um, But whilst it's based here, we'll be able to go through across Australia and New Zealand now. But it's so nice now to have that whole licence here in Tasmania and we have so many corners of the state 
where this can go and the experiences we can put with it and give people new perspectives, new food, new tastes, conversations, experiences. Have I sold it well enough? I'm in love with it. It's a perfect example of what could be a really great thing for different areas to collaborate with then, isn't it? Absolutely. Because, um, you know, even in that one time that we had it uh, on the Hobart waterfront, um, you know, we had Bill Lark up there doing whiskey tastings as the Sydney to Hobart yachts came in. Um, And, uh, you know, people were able to see the view from uh, from that spot there. But then as soon as that table came down, it was reset. Um, Nick Hooper, who was uh, here from Navarro's, he was straight on there for his next set of dishes. So everyone had, then there was a cheese tasting one with Grandview cheeses as well. Um, you know, so a massive collaboration, but the ability to try so many different foods and different products, um, you know, Devil's Corner Wines, everything was there and people just jumped on and we'll be, we're happy to support it because it's unique and it's interesting and, uh, and literally takes um, the Tasmanian food and the view to a different level. Any uh, amazing thoughtful quotes you'd like to uh, leave us with on collaboration? I know that my one of my favourites is a Henry Ford mm. quote, um, coming together is a beginning, staying together is progress and working together is success. That's one that I like to, uh, to think of. Do you have anything that you'd like to share with us before we wrap up? I think my quote's going to come from a slightly different angle. It is my favourite life quote that I stick to for everything, which is be quick to love and slow to judge. And I think when you do that and take that approach, it actually underpins and removes the barriers for you to be able to see the extraordinary strengths that other people have that you may not have seen if you were too busy judging them. Probably a lot more relevant than Henry Ford's quote that I just read out a little while ago. I quite liked Henry Ford's quote. That's pretty good. (laughs) I'm going to write down Rick Martin's quote and I'm going to use that uh, in the future. (laughs) Just to be aware, um, cars are a massive collaboration because uh, (laughs) Ford don't make the tyres, for example. I know. Look, we could talk for hours. (laughs) I'd love to have a chat to you about some more um, things in terms of your marketing and and that whole marriage equality debate because I think it really did stamp yourself as such a a wonderful leader with vision in our community when perhaps you didn't feel like standing up and being (laughs) a leader. So thank you. Um, That is... Um, wraps up our um, little chat today. Thank you to Rick Martin for coming on the show and chatting about all the benefits of collaboration and us all working together and being better people individually but also a better community as a result. So I appreciate your time today. If you've enjoyed today's show and and got some... um, interesting uh, elements out of the conversation. Please um, tell your other tourism colleagues to take a listen as well. And um, we will be back in a fortnight with another conversation on Talking Tourism. Thank you. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.